Hello there, I'm your host Amanda Chen and you're listening to the Miss Amanda Chen Show. This week I'm dropping episodes 6 and 7 of the 100 Mass Men series. If you've been following along my journey, I've been on a mission to gain as many perspectives as possible on masculinity and how men define themselves in 2020. This week I'm talking to two men from the LGBTQ community who share their coming out story, what shapes their perception on healthy relationships, negative heteronormative stereotypes, gender expectations, and the importance of family and community. Masked man number six is the masked nurse. He's one of the healthcare heroes everyone's been praising throughout the pandemic. We get into how his life changed when he moved from the Philippines to Canada and coming out to his family in his early 20s. We talk about the traditional straight way of looking at relationships from choosing one person, getting married, having kids, and living in the suburbs to finding someone with the same interests and values as yourself. And of course, in order to do that, you have to figure out who you are first. So let's get into it. I hope you enjoy the show. I live here in downtown Toronto, and I work as a clinical education manager for nursing. Okay. So I do provide education to professional uh, registered nurses or practical nurses in a home setting and community setting. Previously, I was a uh, nurse, clinical nursing manager for eight years, and it's also in this home community setting. Okay, very cool. So has your role changed a lot? Like, has there been a bigger demand for that ever since the pandemic? Oh, yes, def- definitely. And because they, they needed my expertise in the regards with uh, the infection control. So I have provided them a lot of guidance, teaching, and I've created a lot of rules and risk factors in terms of how they'll be able to provide care for their patients. Uh, ensuring that there are no transmission of the disease. Mm, Okay. I think there's a new trend in the healthcare space of just everyone making you guys look really famous, you know, the kind of glitz and glam of healthcare workers. How do you feel ever since that happened, like the new kind of attention that was given to your industry? Uh, You know what? There will be a lot of factors to consider. And there's a lot of things that opened up regarding that, providing us that star quality or that attention Mm -hmm. First of all, open discussion regarding you're giving us all this recognition, but words are great and we do recognize that one and we appreciate that one, but it's not being compensated well because they are putting their life at risk. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, glorifying our job as nurses, that's, that's good. We, we, we recognize and we are, again, we appreciate that, that big part of it, but we need a community as well to make sure that they're responsible enough that, uh, you know, while they're praising us, they are doing their part as well in the community to ensure that they're not the one causing all this transmission or, con- or contracting any of this virus. So yes, you, 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 at the same time, if you're gonna praise us, you need to be responsible too. Okay, I appreciate that. Yeah, I think a lot of people tend to praise others that take the responsibility for them because then that mm-hmm. way they don't have to be responsible. They can just do whatever they want and then the adults will take care of them for them, right? Yes. And at the same time, it is our job. Uh, we went into this profession knowing that we probably going to get, you know, we're going to get into this sort of situation and we are prepared for this one. And it's nice to hear that people are thanking us for that one. Mm-hmm. But for myself, my opinion, it is my job. It is my job. I went into this profession and I do expect that I might handle something worse like this. Mm -hmm. 
So I, all I want is for those people around me or those people who listen to me to ensure that they're following our advice, our recommendations, because that we appreciate that more. Mm-hmm. Are people following your recommendations more now or is it more respectful these days, would you say? I say yes. Let's start with my own circle of uh, friends. Mm-hmm. They ask me a lot of questions regarding COVID. They, they come to me in regards to what are the precautions that they need to do, how to avoid this one. So every time I do provide those education, they do follow. Uh, in, in regards with my family, at the same time too, two of my sisters, and my niece, three of my nieces, they're all nurses as well. Okay. So uh, collectively, we all like, you know, provide support to our family members and to our, to those people around us. Cool. So in the case of your family members all being in the nursing industry, did, did that help decide your profession? That, it's my mom. It's my mm-hmm. mom who um, encouraged me to become a nurse, but, but it's my dad who encouraged my mom to encourage me to become a nurse. Why would you say that? It's a f- funny story. It's like, my dad, and my mom knows about this, my dad had a, um, had a crush with a nurse back then when he was young. Okay. And because of that, like, my mom kept telling me the story, like, your dad, been in that, not even encouraging, insisting that all his kids to become a nurse, mm-hmm. just to relieve that, you know, uh, that memory of that person. It, it, you know, probably it's just for fun, mm-hmm. you know, the, it, the way of, like, them poking at each other, but at the same time, it is actually true, because before my dad passed away, he did tell us, like, uh, you know, uh, I had a, you know, it's one of those people that he bumped into, I believe he was in Europe, and he, and, and she was a nurse, and, you know, they had summer flings when he was okay. young. Yeah. Yeah, and then he, he held into that memory, and, you know, but he did share that to my mom, so which is, which is funny, because, like, my mom is fully accepting. Yeah. Yeah, fully accepting, and then he did encourage all of us, and at, at the end, we you know, because of my dad, we're very thankful uh, where we are right now. That's so sweet. That's such a cute yeah. story. Yeah. Your, your father's passed away, right? So passed away uh, back in 1999. So how old were, were you and who else was in the family with you? I was in um, sixth grade when that happened. Okay. Was sixth grade happened in the Philippines and my dad passed away at our house. But we knew that it's happening. We brought him back from home from the hospital we knew that he only had like a few hours or a few days left. And we all decided that we rather him passing at our house. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we brought him to our place and then we called all the family members. My sister, she was, she was here in Canada and she flew. Okay. And then uh, she, she got here probably, you know, just in time before my dad uh, passed away. Oh, that's amazing. That's good that everyone got to, to see him for one yeah. last time. Yes, yes. When did you move to Canada? I moved in Canada 2006. Okay. Did you come here for school or did you go with your sister and your mom? I just finished my nursing in the mm-hmm. Philippines. I just received my bachelor's degree and my mom forced me to move here. I don't <laughs> want to move. Well, I received my bachelor's, so my plan was to start looking for a job. I'm very comfortable in the Philippines. I do all have all my friends. My mom still supports me. But she wanted me to move here because she said, there's a greener pasture here. Your sister is here in Canada. I think she wanted to teach me how to become more independent. Because like, like, like what I mentioned is back in the Philippines, I'm more comfortable. I'm being supported. Like if I don't get a job, I'll still have a house. You know, I still going to live at their house, at her house. Yeah. And she'll get, provide me. And there's nothing she can do because I'm the youngest. I'm the favorite. But then she did encourage me to move here. 
And it's another thing that I'm going to be thankful for because I'm really happy moving here. It's, su it's such a gift moving here in Canada, in Toronto. Did you just move here alone or did you go no, my, stay with your sister or you go with your mom? My, my mom moved here. I moved together my, with my mom at my sister's place. Okay, then that's good. In your culture, was there an element of like, you know, to be a man, it's to be independent or were there like certain expectations? Well, well, there is, there is, there's an expectation for a man of the family, you know, for you to continue the the family's name. They do have an expectation of you to, to find someone and for you to start your own family and hoping for you to have a son in order for that for your son to continue your family name. It, it is it is an expectation that in our culture and again, like in our culture, it's Christian. We're Catholic. They're big when it comes to family. So that it, it is an expectation. So as you came to Toronto, you're kind of like in your 20s, I guess, like early 20s? Yeah, yeah, early 20s. So, yes. I think I'm at 21, I think. Okay. So how did you navigate identifying yourself? You know, because now you, you kind of go from the Philippines, you come to, to Canada, you meet a bunch of people. Like, how did you, did you find yourself, you know, and did you have any like turning points that helped you discover yourself? You know, I do have a lot of relatives here, my cousin. So my cousin took me out, you know, introduced me to the culture, brought me to bars. During that time, I'm still trying to figure out, like, is this the type of life that I wanted to have? Then I started working. I found a part-time part job because I was still trying to work my nursing um, career here. So I was trying to get my licensure back again uh, in order for me to practice nursing. I had to work at a retail store where I met a couple of people who introduced me to downtown life. And that's where they brought me to Church Street. So they, okay. they took me to downtown. Okay. And that's where I brought to Cruz and Tango for the first time. And I never used to go clubbing in the Philippines. It's that's it, I never go to to bars. I usually just hang out around with my friends. But when I moved here, it felt very different because I'm not used to that culture. I'm not used to that environment where you enter a an establishment and you look around and people in the same community, people okay. have the same likes. So I, I find it very overwhelming at first but then I was really excited I kept asking my friends to bring me again mm -hmm. even like like every weekend we've been going to downtown even right after work you know we'll get ready and then right after that we'll go to Crucentango I remember it's like Crucentango is the place for <laughs> the younger LGBTQ people so how was it like dating in your like 20s I wasn't dating that much during that time my perception of dating is pretty much it's like I'm it's like I'm still like a straight person where I, I'm gonna find one person mm -hmm. we're gonna get married we're gonna have kids okay. okay either we're gonna adopt or we're gonna have a surrogate mom and we're gonna have a you know a house in the suburbs that's my way of thinking when I started I don't have a big group of uh, gay friends I don't have a big gay circle I only have one gay friend and the rest are straight okay. female Mm -hmm. So they're just like, you know, supporting me and taking me out. I only want to have one gay friend that became my boyfriend. And how, did you, how did you meet him? At the he's club? Part of our, no, he's part of the circle. Okay. Okay. And I was his first boyfriend too. So he came out as well. Okay. Because of, because of him, like, encouraging me to go out at the same time too. He found himself too. Mm -hmm. that he's, he's, he was dating girls before. And then I was dating girls before. But then... I'm the first one who came out. And mm -hmm. then after maybe a year, he told me that he's gay as well. And he, he's in love with me. So since then, we started dating. 
Okay. And I and again, like I don't know any other gay guys out there. So he's my only like, okay, maybe this I'm lucky because he's right here. He's my friend mm-hmm. and he knows me for years already. You know, let's let's give it a shot. And so we did. Okay. How long did that last? It was on and off. It was okay. it, it was it was really weird though. Cause like if we're friends, and so it's kind of like we're friends with benefits, but then became lovers. We decided to become boyfriend, uh, you know, put a label as boyfriends. But I would say it did last for two years, but on and off. Okay. It's interesting that you just went for just another person that you understand, right? Yeah. So after that first experience, what would you say is your view on dating now? Now, I'm in a very committed relationship. We've been together for three years and mm-hmm. we already purchased a, a place here in downtown. We live together. My view changed when it comes to dating. Like I mentioned earlier, my perception of, of dating back then is to find someone, get married, have mm-hmm. kids, have, have a dog or live in the suburbs. Yeah, That was my perception. Now it totally changed. It totally changed. It's different from what I wanted to have before. I even told my friends, like, if I'm going to walk down the aisle, I'm going to walk down uh, the aisle for Shania Twain, you're still the one. And, <laughs> and now it's only changed. I, I don't want to get married. Marriage, marriage was set up and was created for the straight community in the mm-hmm. beginning. For me to try to fit in, to do the same thing, I think it, it is something that I can't relate because mm-hmm. again, the setup, even the, the way it was set up, like you know, having the bride walk down the aisle. So now we're we're trying to modify that one and have both gentlemen walk down the aisle together, or someone will wait down the aisle and one will walk down the aisle. So I think for now, everyone is creating their type or their own definition of unity. I'm happy where I am right now. I don't see the need for marriage. I'm happy that we have our place together, mm-hmm. that we're both stable. We have a very successful a successful job. And I think that's for me, I'm very satisfied with that one. I'm very comfortable having that one. I don't need any sort of marriage. Even having kids is out of the question now. Mm-hmm. I don't see myself needing any kids. And and I'm using the word needing, that I need kids. Because mm-hmm. I do fear back then that I need kids because someone's going to look after me when I grow old. But again, like, you know, being out there, seeing the older community here in Toronto. And now I have a different perspective in life now. So did you run into any conflict with your family because you said you know they were really they had high expectations of you keeping the family line going and being a boy and getting another boy you know like did you run into problems luckily I have an older brother so okay (laughs) when I moved here in Canada I came out to my mom I was crying I was bawling Mm -hmm. and then she just looked at me and laughed at me and she was like why you're crying because I said like you know I'm gay but and I'm gay and you know I can't be myself that's the reason why I do go out a lot because I can express myself Uh, if I'm here at home I'm pretending to be someone else and so she just shrugged and she laughed at me and like I know you're gay you're the ones who've been telling me how to dress up you you've been (laughs) styling me and the way you act I know I know you're gay the way we watch movies together and the way you make comments about guys like I I know you're gay and I'm just waiting for you to tell me. And I'm just waiting for you to tell me. And, and, also I, and also I found a statue of gay porn in your closet. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's, that gave away. That gave it away. So, but yeah, and after that, they didn't 
pushed me about like, you know, having kids. Because back then in the Philippines, my mom would always mention my friends in high school. Like, why don't you go for Lucy? You know, she's beautiful. Why don't you go for, for Gladys? She's just tall. She's pretty. And, you know, I, I, think she, I think the two of you will be perfect for each other. I think when we started move, when we moved here in Canada, I didn't hear anything from my family re- in regards with you need to act like a man. Maybe it's just a phase for you that you're you're gay. You know, we all go through this phase. No, I didn't hear it from them. I I would say that I'm one of those lucky ones that have a very supportive family all throughout. They've been encouraging me to be who I am, and the only thing that they were asking is not to borrow their clothes. that's sweet that's very rare because usually i mean you said you were crying you were expecting yeah them to kind of reject you right Mm -hmm. yeah but i got it i was lucky and then my brother was in the philippines and i had to call him or you know he wanted to talk to me because my mom told my mom told my brother that i'm gay Mm -hmm. i was scared because it's my brother and I know back then, way back, way back then in elementary, he, was, he heard a rumor that I was gay. And he said, like, you know, if you're gay, I'm going to beat you up. He was in a high school and I was in elementary back then. But then when we spoke over the phone, when he was still in the Philippines, he just mentioned, like, you know, just be happy. I want you to be happy. And uh, if someone mistreats you, just let me know and I'm going to beat them. <laughs> so so that's good though i don't though i don't encourage violence i was just happy to hear it from from my brother and now he now he's here with his family okay, and now awesome. he's yeah and he's he is he's the one who always pokes fun about me dating a lot of guys back then oh, yeah, you, you've been around you, you you're a slut you're a whore <laughs> but he would call me those words but i i know it's it's offensive but at the same time too it is comforting to hear that from someone that back then when you were younger you have a fear of coming out. Mm-hmm. So now you know that that way, like he's very accepting. And he's the one who always check up on myself and my, my partner, my boyfriend, to ensure that we're always safe. If he hears something about like gay bashing, he would call me like, are you guys okay? I, you know, just be safe out there. Mm-hmm. And if you need anything, we're here for you. So it's very comforting and I'm very thankful for that. Do you experience a lot of gay bashing you know what i don't but a lot of people who are close to me they did and i was there and i had i had to fight for them i think the, the only time i heard someone made fun of me it was during pride and we were wearing very colorful clothes mm-hmm. you know just to celebrate pride and we were just walking down the street and someone from a truck passed by us and they screamed you guys are disgusting because I was holding my boyfriend's hand. Before we were able to react, they, they already left. Mm-hmm. So it's mostly through passing where we get those type of bashing, where we get those like people mocking us. Do you experience confusion from the other, from, from women? You know, because I wouldn't say that you look particularly gay, right? So do people oh, yeah. mistake you for being straight still? Oh, yeah, they do. They do. But it, it is an education that I provided to everyone as well for, for women, for straight men. Because like what you mentioned earlier, just a just few seconds ago about you don't depict me as gay. Yeah. What would be your description of a gay person? It is someone who is flamboyant. Is it someone that, that, it have like color, that wears colorful clothes? Is it someone that wears women's clothes? Tight fitting? No, because it's really hard to define a gay person based on how they look. 
because again, it's a very broad uh, definition. In the gay community, we have what we call tribes. We have the gym goers, we have the twinks, we have the daddies, we have the bears, the non-binary, we have the bisexual. So it, it goes on and on. So those, those are tribes that we have. Those, those are different communities. And whenever someone asks me, like, I didn't think that you were gay because of how you dress up, that is almost like creating a, a gender role for us. Mm-hmm. That everyone is being put into a box and this is how you're supposed to look like, or this is what we expect you to look like, mm-hmm. and and that's that's changing drastically, as as you can, as you can see on media, and it, it is being being discussed a lot now too. That, but yes, I, I know that I did uh, steer away from from your from your question, but yes, a lot a lot of people would ask me that question that they were a bit confused right. because they do have because they do have that perception that that's how a, a gay person looks like this, which I don't blame them. Because historically, we do assume that gay people should look this way. Mm-hmm. But again, it, it's all changing. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because I think that's very um, heterosexual, you know, just putting everyone in a certain bucket and saying, this is mm-hmm. how you look. This is how all of the gender roles are supposed to be. So whenever they meet a community where it doesn't match for them. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think there's so much more, like you said, there's bears, there's there's the gym goers, like that's more about their behavior and how they act, which is actually a better way to gauge who they are than Mm -hmm. how they look. Right. Because you can change how you look overnight. Right. There's so, but that's kind of also the only way you get to first see someone. Yes. And again, like it's, it's normal for someone to make those remarks or those inquiries because it's first thing we see is Mm -hmm. your, someone's outlook. I I wouldn't say we're quick to judge, but we're quick to scan. We scan mm-hmm. someone and then we assume that, okay, maybe, maybe. but which is good. Like some, some people ask, because at the end of the day, it's better for you to ask than assume someone. That's true too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then once you ask someone again, and this is one thing about a lot of people, not just in the gay community, when you're being asked and it is something that not conforms to your appearance or your personality, the person receiving that question, they get very offensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that and that eliminates a proper discussion conversation with the other person because now pretty much you ended that discussion because you have a very um, aggra- I mean aggressive way of stopping a conversation instead of providing someone an education. What you're gonna do is you're you're trying to pick a fight. Yeah. Yeah. So I think every everyone needs to know like in, in every part of the community whether you're gay you're straight if someone asks you a question just regarding about yourself don't get offended because that's the reason why people are asking they don't know well it's hard though because you can get offended when people ask you about your race too Mm -hmm. right so just any any way of people trying to identify you i don't know do you think people ask you more about your sexuality or more about your race in my experience, pretty equal. They're pretty yeah. equal. They they were surprised if I say that I'm Filipino because mm-hmm. they they would say like what how how can we be how come you're a Filipino but you're very like for me I'm I'm tan right now and it's pretty, it's pretty dark here but because I was really pale oh okay and yeah yeah you know, when I moved here I was in Canada I was really pale and then when people ask you like what's your what's your background like I'm I'm Filipino and they were really surprised back then I did take an offense when they say that. Oh, what you're Filipino, but you're good looking. That's very offensive. Like, so what is your perception about Filipino? Mm-hmm. 
and maybe during that time, I think I do have the right to feel offended. But then I did have those kind of, kind of conversation with those with those specific individuals. Uh, again, it's it's more on the language that you use. So same thing as being gay. Like in the, in the gay community, they would assume that some when they look at you, you're Filipino. They would they would ask like, oh, I thought you're a bottom. If you're Asian, you're considered as a bottom. Mm-hmm. And if you're Caucasian, Middle Eastern, Black, they think that no, you, you're a top. So okay. you're 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 the one doing the penetration. So th- there there is still the confusion and all this assumption within our gay community as well. So it's it's very it's very common. So within your own gay community, like what would be considered unhelpful or behavior? I mean, because like we have a lot of toxic masculinity and toxic oh, yeah. feminism, you know, in from both ends in the hetero community because we're always fighting stereotypes, right? So you have the openness to create your own stereotypes, but then now you trap yourself in your stereotypes, right? By creating either roles or tribes or whatever. And it's one way to self-identify, but then now you self-isolate. That's also that's already that's already a struggle in our community as well. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we need to fix within our community as well because there is a judgment or they make fun of people or gay people who in the gay community who are who act very flamboyant okay. and you know, same same with with the date with, with dating other people they would say no femmes so no fem you know effeminate um, guys mm-hmm. when they're dating they would put on their filter no flamboyant ones mm-hmm. no guys who act like queens I only like mass for mass. So they just only want, I'm masculine and I only want masculine guy. Mm-hmm. Within our own community, we have those roles that's limiting our openness and how are we going to interact with other people. So that's a struggle for us as well. We're fighting a struggle within our community and then outside our community, we're trying to, we're struggling to fight our, our image and who we are with the rest of the community it, it is tough like you know the, the more we are being welcome the more that we are finding within our uh, community as well that's interesting that in your community you still use mass and femme in oh, yes. in negative ways does everyone just want the mass guy not that everyone it's or like mainly like, there are there are specific guys who have this perception or of understanding that if you are feminine effeminate you're you act very flamboyant that it's your you're degrading your well-being not the well-being like who you are as a person okay. it's like you're not part of the top tier of the community mm. so they would consider you as a low class because you act that way so to, to make it easier if you act flamboyant you're not classy okay and but if you act masculine you're more desirable. You're on top of everyone else. There is a hierarchy that they believe that when you're more mass, you get more of the guys. P- people will look up to you if you're being like this. But it's 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 slowly changing because we see now in social media that there's a lot of guys who look very masculine, mm-hmm. but they they're very open in regards with acting very flamboyant, putting makeup on, mm. putting heels, wearing skirts, you know, very colorful outfits. So they, they want to break those barriers. They want to break that image that we need to stop putting other, pe- other people in our community down just for us to feel more better for us about ourselves. Yeah. I think that's interesting that you said femme is not classy because, I mean, as a, as a woman, like if you're being girly, it, there is kind of a little bit of 
frivolousness to it like oh you're acting like a princess or you know I'm not you're just not going to get taken seriously if you just look like a Barbie girl and everything's pink right it's mm-hmm. kind of like mm-hmm. your little girl yeah. and then mass is just anything like you're just a real adult right yeah so, yeah that's really interesting yeah it, it, it is sad but at the same time it's good that there's a lot of people stepping up mm-hmm. uh, trying to change this culture also in terms of that one is like the black the black community Mm-hmm. It's a very good example. They're being disregarded about, you know, you're black and then you act very feminine because mm-hmm. they, they have the expectation that if you're black, you need to act very masculine. You're, you're, you're big, you're tall, you're very defined and you should be leading the, the, leading the way. You shouldn't be acting like, like a female. You shouldn't be acting very sassy. You should mm-hmm. be acting very masculine. You should be acting like a gym instructor or mm-hmm. someone from the army. And we have a big community here, the queer community, with us like underground sort of Paris is burning, where they celebrate being queer, they celebrate being trans, uh, they ce- celebrate being black, they celebrate being feminine. And that's where they're breaking a lot of boundaries where big black guys dancing, voguing, like there's no tomorrow, that they don't care about other people. And they're making, making sure that these are the barriers that we need to break, that you, we can't be put in a box, that this is how we're supposed to act. This is how we're supposed to look like. That's changing. And a lot of these groups, organizations out there are showing up, are showing up creating all these events, event space, space for everyone to join. But again, it is something that we are slowly encouraging other people to support. This is something that we're making sure that it is becoming more visible for the community, for other people to see and for other people to join and experience. And we're just hoping that image of gay people shouldn't be put in a box that we should be acting like this. And then inside the community, if you act like this, then you're someone that is not acceptable or someone that is below other people who are masculine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, like the fact that there's so much judgment that is attached to certain mannerisms, you know, and then mm-hmm. you have to slowly build up that that norm, right? Because people yeah. don't know what that is. So they want you to stay conformed to what they understand, right? As soon yeah. as you, you mm-hmm. don't understand, then they, they need that awareness, right? So I just want to wrap this up. You said that most of your friends are female friends. When I was trying, when I was like looking for myself, like I was trying to find who I am. But now I'm surrounded with a very strong circle of gay, gay community, gay friends. Yeah. Okay. So, so you found like a, a community that you kind of are with yeah. often. The to, to, re- to relate with. Okay. And I think that's super important because I think in the beginning, like you said, you only knew the people around you and then you mm-hmm. just kind of navigated around that. Whereas, you know, mm-hmm. now you've chosen your own family. What advice would you give to someone that wants to come out and just can't find their community, what would you suggest to help them kind of find their way? I think what you, they need to do is they really need to start with their family. If they, if they have a family, they start with them. Give your family a chance to know who you are, whether they like it or not. Give them some time to accept you. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy for someone coming maybe from a different culture. And, you know, you know we, we need to understand that they need to learn as well. They need to adapt to all these changes. If you can't find any comfort or love or acceptance from, from your immediate family, then there is 
other ways of finding those support or love. Find community um, support group. And we have a lot in, for the LGBTQ community. Uh, we have in different regions here in Ontario. We have someone in York, in, in Peel. They have those rainbow groups, that, that what we call. I, they just need to take some time to discover themselves. They, they need to, hopefully, they have friends that is very supportive, like what I, I have, that will or, or introduce you to places that you're going to feel welcome. Go, going to the village for me, seeing people with the same interests that I have, I felt very welcome. It's a very safe place. It's a very it's a it's a safe place, a safe haven for every for 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 the gay community. They need to open up more, uh, but they always need to find someone to talk to, because mm-hmm. it's really hard hard out there keeping everything to yourself. Yeah. You know, you know. I know it's not easy coming out because you're putting yourself at risk in terms of your relationship with your family, security wise, mm-hmm. fina- uh, f- uh, financially. But at the same time, we do have those organizations out there especially for the young people that we have out there that will support you and will uh, make sure that there's, you're steering to the right path. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's huge that you said to talk to your family first, because I think a lot of people, whether you, know, you want to rebel or find another community or find a different family, and you can find all these people that you have similar interests with, but then you still have to go home eventually at yeah. one point and mm-hmm. you have to face your family and if you don't have their acceptance i think that will bleed into all of your interactions right like just the fact that they don't know and you're just like will will they ever know or the what if if it's going to be a yeah. good answer or a bad answer right yeah uh, at the end like you you're, you you can be out with your friends but there's always going to be that part of you and you keep asking yourself what if i Come out, came out, if what if I said this to my mom, to my dad, or to my sibling? What if that that question will linger with you for a while? And you know, it it is hard. It, mm-hmm. it is it is it, it is difficult, and that will cause a lot of depression. Mm-hmm. And like I said, uh, it could could lead into something else. It could did something from it's it's mental health at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. And and then you just create crazy scenarios in your head right because of the what if right thank you so much this was a an awesome awesome conversation love starts with you i hope you enjoyed today's heartfelt episode i know i can take a lesson or two about expectations and relationships from this and if you are seeking a community of like-minded people i hope you're able to find a safe place to do so and as always if you want to be a guest on the show slide into my dms at miss amanda channel on instagram and i'll catch you guys next week bye for now